You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you. If you're watching online, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you leave a comment. Share this video on your newsfeed. Help us to get the word out. If you're new, my name is Marco, and I am the lead pastor of Radiant Church. Thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Well, we are back in our series, Christ Culture Church. It's a study through 1 Corinthians, and we're talking about this letter that's found in the New Testament. It was written by a man named Paul. A lot of you know who he is. You know his story. But in short, Paul was a man who was radically transformed and changed by the power of God. I mean, he had this radical, powerful encounter with Jesus, and it just changed Paul's life forever. And so Paul writes to these Christians now who are located in Corinth, which is in ancient Greece, and he's writing because he needs to bring some clarification on what the gospel is. He also needs to bring correction because there's all kinds of problems within the church because much of the culture of that day had permeated, had gotten inside of the local church. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about the power of God, experiencing the power of God. And, and I want you to go back and listen to that message if you didn't listen to it, because it really sets the stage for where we're going for the next few weeks. We talked about the power of God, that the same power of God that raised Christ from the grave, that power lives in you if you're a believer. I mean, believe it or not, it lives on the inside of you. And it's that same power that God wants us to experience each and every day. Now, think about this, though. Unfortunately, so many people in our culture are looking, pursuing spiritual experiences apart from God. And they are not summoning the Holy Spirit. They are actually participating with a demonic spirit. spirit. And I gave this as a warning. I want to give it to you one more time. If, you are, if you're here this morning, listen, if, you're, if you know a family member or friend, they're dabbling in tarot cards, spirit boards, right, mediums, fortune tellers, psychics, anything of that nature, listen, tell them or you yourself, turn away from that, repent, right, come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The true spiritual power is found in our King Jesus. Amen, church? All right, well, listen, I've got a lot to cover this morning. I'm going to do a lot of teaching to help you guys out. Here's what I've done. I've already given you my notes. Go to RadiantBC.com. You can pull them up on your smartphone. Go to the home page. Go to update. And then you'll see part number nine. There's a PDF file. There's two pages. So when you're taking notes today, use that. But you can fill in the blanks as we go along to help you because there's a lot of content. Number two, I want to say this. It's very, very likely that we will go over in this service. We'll go longer. Okay? Now, Parents, if you got to step out, listen, I get, your, I get your battle. I understand your plight, okay? No offense. If you have to leave at 1245 because of your kids or they're just wilding out, whatever the case is, listen, I get it. But let me say this. If you can stay, please stay because we have a special time of prayer at the end. And, man, I think God moved in power first service. If you were here first service, holy smokes, 
It was very, very special. I want you to be a part of that, okay? So uh, I just I, I want to let you know, forewarning will go over time. We're going to be here an extra 15 minutes probably. All right, listen, no time to waste. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible, get it out. If you have a smartphone, get it out. We're going to be in the NIV. If you don't have a Bible, we'll buy you one, but it'll be on the verses behind me or on the screen behind me. Beginning in chapter 1, chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. Tr- sorry, I'm going really fast, aren't I? I'm going to slow down. Verse number one, here's what Paul writes. He says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, or literally spiritual people, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He says, You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. And we talked about that last week, right? Therefore, I want you to know that the one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be or." I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse number four. There are different kinds of gifts. Charismata is the Greek word there. You might notice that's where we get the word charisma. So charismata is the plural form. The singular form of that is charisma. And the root of that is charis, which is the Greek word grace. Very interesting, right? The Bible says that these are grace gifts. They're given by the grace of God, by a gracious God. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. You'll notice Paul repeat that word same I'm going to teach you a little bit of biblical exegesis this morning. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same, again, God at work. So pay attention to that word. When a biblical author repeats a word, you want to pay attention to it. Verse number seven, now to each one, to each person, to each believer, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the, here it is again, same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings. Actually, it's plural. In the Greek, it's plural. Healings. I'll talk about why that is. By that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages or tongues. A lot of times people freak out when it comes to tongues, right? So I'll say languages. And to still another, the interpretation of languages or tongues. All these are the work of the one and the, here it is again, same spirit, same spirit. And he, the spirit, distributes them to each one just as he determines. Or another translation says this, just as he wills. Our sovereign God is in control of what he gives, who he gives it to, and when he gives it to us. We can ask for them, and we should. I'll talk about that week number four in two more weeks. But listen, he's the one who sovereignly gives them to us. Church, let's take a moment. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to open eyes, to reveal to us the truth in God's word. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you are kind, that you are compassionate, that you are gracious, and that you are merciful, Lord, towards your people. This morning, Lord, we're praying for just a fresh outpouring of your spirit 
that your spirit might open blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, and soften our hardened hearts so that we might be able to hear what you want to speak to your body today and, Lord, that we might apply it to our everyday lives, God. So, Spirit of God, we just ask that you'd move here this morning. Come and awaken faith for those who may not know you this morning, those who are in unbelief, those who are far from you. Come awaken faith, God, for no one can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Spirit of God is what Paul says. Lord, it's your Spirit activating faith. It's not in us. It's you, the one drawing men and women and children to you. Lord, remove distractions this morning as well, Lord, as I know it may be a little more difficult to concentrate, Lord. So just help us to focus in on what you want to say. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this morning I want to start with a quick illustration or a quick story. I want you to think of this. What is the best gift you've ever received? What's the best gift someone has ever given you? Someone you love, right? Your spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, family member. Maybe someone gave you a trip, a vacation. They paid for your vacation. They paid for a trip across the country, uh, whatever it was, a honeymoon. My wife and I were gifted a honeymoon when we first got married. Isn't that incredible? What an awesome gift, right? And I was like, yes, thank you. I'll take that vacation, right? I'll take that free honeymoon. Maybe some of you have received the gift of money, okay? Most of us like money. We'd like to have a little bit more if we could, right? Maybe you've received money, and money's always a good gift to give people. What about this? Maybe you've received an assortment of gift cards, right? You have the, the gift card anointing, right? <laughs> and you receive gift cards. Listen, gift cards to restaurants, that's my love language, by the way. Gift cards to restaurants, I love receiving those types of gift cards. Maybe you love to receive that as well. What about this? Can I talk to the wives in the house for a moment? Let me just speak to the wives for a second. Wives, you especially love to receive new appliances. <laughs> the husbands are laughing. You especially love to receive that brand new stainless steel stove. The wives are like, uh-huh, listen up, honey, listen up. New refrigerator, or maybe you're newly married, and I know what you got for a wedding gift, you got that coveted new KitchenAid mixer. You know that one that you never use? Yeah, that one. That one that just sits in your kitchen, but you had to have it because every one of the other ladies in your friend's circle got it? That one. You never use it, but you had to have it, right? Lots of people love receiving new appliances as a gift. Now listen, these are all great gifts. But I want to tell you this morning that all great gifts have at least three things in common. Number one, thoughtfulness. A great gift shows that the giver was thoughtful. They thought of who you are. They thought of what you might like and the season of life that you're living. And they put great effort and time and energy into giving you that gift. It was thoughtful. The second thing that all great gifts have in common is relevance. It's, it's relevant to your life. It's relevant to your season of life. Maybe it's your birthday. It's an anniversary, right? It's Christmas time. It's irrelevant. Therefore, it has much more impact on your life. Finally, the third thing that all great gifts have in common is quality, right? Quality. No one likes receiving a piece of junk, all right? 
You want something that's going to last, okay? You want something that's going to last. I told this story in first service. I'm a little bit ashamed of it, but I did, so we can all laugh at it now. But I think it was last Christmas or two Christmases ago, I bought my kids the knockoff version of Legos on Amazon. Don't do it. Parents, don't do it. Them things cause so much strife in my household because they're so hard to put together, okay? There may have been even a few choice words said. I don't know, but I'm just saying, right? And my wife was like, honey, why didn't you spend the extra seven bucks and get the real Legos? Never again will I buy the knockoff Legos, all right? Free tip for parents here this morning. If your kids are too little, there's going to come a day where Legos will be all over your carpet. It's coming for you. It's coming for you, all right? Thoughtfulness, relevance, quality, these are all things that great gifts have in common. Luke chapter 11, verse number 3, Scripture tells us this, that even though you are evil, that's us, Jesus is speaking to the fallenness, the brokenness of humanity. Even though that you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. He says this, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? When it comes to good gifts, I want to start here. Our God is a good father, and therefore, he gives what? He gives good gifts, you guys. He gives good gifts. He's always thoughtful. He's always relevant. He always gives us gifts that are of quality. But sadly, listen, in the body of Christ, the gifts that we're going to talk about this morning in specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 12, sadly, these gifts are often not welcomed and they're not celebrated. What are they? Often, many Christians fear them. And they reject them. They fear them and they reject them. And I'm talking about the more miraculous gifts that we've read about, that we'll talk about today. Now, why in the world would Christians, God loving, Jesus loving, Bible reading Christians, fear or reject the gifts of the Spirit? I think there are at least three reasons that I want to give you this morning that I've seen so often. In the church. Reason number one why people reject the spiritual gifts is this we just don't understand them. We just don't understand them. We tend to reject, we tend to fear things that we just don't understand. And I think that's a lot of people in the body of Christ today. The second reason why we might fear these gifts is we've seen way too many abuses of them in the local church. Right? This is what I hear from for so many people. You've seen the manipulation, coercion. God told me you're supposed to, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't throw that out. Be careful when you throw that out. God told me you, you must use that with humility. Coercion, power plays, money-hungry pastors, evangelists. Sow your seed right now, and the Lord's going to bless your house. There are 20 people today. Right now, you're going to give $1,000, right? And you're going to get what you've been praying for. You've seen it. You're like, man, it's gross. It's, I don't want anything to do with that. That's crap. That's what many of us know about the gifts of the Spirit, though. We're like, I don't, want, I don't want that. Why would I want that? Number three, the third reason why so many Christians reject or fear the gifts of the Spirit is because we just think they're weird. Come on, somebody, you were thinking it already. You're like, these are weird, right? We've, we've all seen the memes, right? We've seen the memes on Instagram and social media, right? Where it's like 
the Pentecostal church, and they're like, oh, two-stepping, and DuckTales theme is behind it. And you're just laughing, right? Because it's just like, man, everybody's dancing in that church, so that is silly. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't want anything to do with those Christians. Them are wacky Christians. Silly. And you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's what the Spirit looks like, I'm out. I'm good. I'm good. So this morning, listen, I want to bring understanding. My hope is to bring clarity on what these gifts are, specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and by bringing clarity, by bringing hopefully sound, balanced, biblical teaching, my prayer is that more of you would not fear them, but more of you would embrace them. More of you would not reject them, but you would ask God for them. And finally, I pray that there would be less abuse of the gifts in the church. Because again, we've all seen that manipulating spirit. We're like, hey, we're just trying to get something from someone, so we just, we just tag along, God told me, right? Man, that's not what I want for the body of Christ here at Radiant Church. I want us to know accurately what God has for us, the good gifts he has for us, so that we might actually pray for them and ask for them in our own prayer lives. This morning, we're going to be in of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and there are nine gifts that we've listed out. I want to let you know that's not an exhaustive list. In fact, there are 21 total gifts the New Testament tells us about. You can look at Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. You can read the rest of them. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, these are often considered the more controversial gifts. That's why we some churches will just skip over this chapter, right? They just don't want to deal with it because they think they've ceased with the death of the last apostles. But that's just, there's no exegetical evidence for that in the New Testament, right? So today, we're going to specifically look at these nine gifts. And these gifts, I want to list them out for you. Number one, a word of wisdom or a message of wisdom. Number two, a word of knowledge. Number three, a gift of faith. Number four, gifts of healings. Again, plural. Number five, workings of powers. Okay, miracles. Number six, prophecy. Number seven, distinguishing of spirits. Number eight, kinds of tongues or languages. Number nine, interpretation of tongues or interpretation of these languages. Okay? Now, from the outset, church, this is really, really important. This is very, very crucial that we begin here. Let me say this. Spiritual gifts are not, they're not God bestowing something external to himself to us. Okay? They're not. It's not like, it's not like a normal gift where God, where it's like, here, here's, here's 20 bucks. It's not that way. That's not actually what a spiritual gift is. It's part of it, but it's not the whole. Spiritual gifts rather are the presence of the Spirit himself. Spiritual gifts rather, listen, are the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in power, in presence, in and through you. So that when you do ministry, he shows up in a powerful way. It's less about, hey, I'm giving you something. It's more about, it's the presence of God in your midst. It's actually more about that. How do we know that? Because Paul says it. He says to each one, the manifestation. What does that mean? It means the way that the Spirit shows himself, reveals himself. He shows up. It's like the teacher at Vacation Bible School, the ordinary mother and wife, 
She seems like an ordinary woman, but she gets into the classroom and she begins to teach. And all of a sudden, those kids, their attention is focused on her. They're engaged. They're learning. Why? Because she's practicing a gift of the Spirit. The Spirit of God himself is showing up. He's revealing himself. That's actually closer to what we mean when we say a spiritual gift. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Okay, It means this. To reject the gifts of the Spirit, in some sense, is to reject God himself. To deny the gifts, the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, is actually to, to deny God himself. To affirm them is to welcome them. Right? And we want to do that in our church, in our body. I want to give you two definitions of what a spiritual gift is. Based on what I just talked about, the first one is this. Spiritual gifts are capacities or abilities, and they are, it's true, imparted to Christians by the Holy Spirit to enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity in order to serve other believers to the glory of God. So one aspect of a spiritual gift, listen, is this. It's, it's an impartation. It's an ability a capacity to exceed your limitations, to do things that you didn't think you could do. That is certainly a part of what a spiritual gift is. Now, the second definition is equally important. It's this. Spiritual gifts are the way in which the Spirit himself makes evident to and through us his presence and power whenever we do ministry. I love both of these definitions. Both of these definitions are biblical. The first definition emphasizes that they are abilities. They are capabilities. They are capacities that help us to exceed our human limitations. The second definition is also accurate because the second definition tells us it's not just a gift. It's actually God himself, the Spirit, showing up. He's manifesting himself in your life. He's making himself aware to everyone in that room. It's like God saying, hey, here I am. I'm on display. Not for your glory, of course, but for his. So I think both of these definitions are necessary when it comes to talking about what are spiritual gifts. Here's what I want to do for us, you guys, in the remaining of our, remainder of our time. We're going to go back to the text. It's important, okay? We're going to go back to... Verses 4 through 6, okay? And then I'm going to give a description of these different gifts. But I'm also, before we do that, I'm going to give some observations, okay? Three observations that I'm going to make from the biblical text. Now, today, listen, we're going to do six of the nine. We're not going to talk about tongues. We're not going to talk about interpretation of tongues. And we're not going to talk about prophecy. Well, why not? Because we're going to do that in two weeks, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Okay? So we'll talk about it then. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of prophecy and tongues in two weeks. Next Sunday is the gift of love. We often forget that gift when we operate in these spiritual gifts, but Paul gives a whole chapter to it. There are so many verses when it comes to the gift of love. We'll look at that next weekend, okay? So we'll look at six of the nine gifts this morning. Let's go back to verse number four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same 
Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Observation number one, it's the same spirit who is the source of the multiplicity of gifts. The same spirit. What is Paul trying to say here? Paul is trying to push back on spiritual elitism. No matter what gift you have received, listen, Paul wants you to know that it comes from God. Amen? And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. If you read in other parts of the New Testament, there are gifts like the gift of mercy, the gift of generosity, okay, uh, the gift of administration. Paul's saying no matter what gift you have, it comes from the same God. Therefore, here's what's necessary. Therefore, it's necessary that we do not compare ourselves to one another. We already do that enough with people that we don't like, all right? Why should we do it in the local church? Well, I don't have that gift. I wish I had prophecy. I don't have that gift. I guess I'm just a good musician. Well, that's a gift. I just have the gift of administration. Well, that's a gift. It still comes from God, and it still serves the same purpose. So we we should push back. We should refuse to elevate those who have the more miraculous gift while diminishing others who have more non-miraculous gifts. You catch what I'm saying? What we're doing is we're creating a two-category, two-level Christianity. Those who operate in the more miraculous and those who don't. We don't want a two-tier system. That's not Christianity. Oh, you're spiritual and you're not spiritual. Oh, you're hyper-spiritual. No, Paul says no. They all come from the same God. Verse number seven says this. Now each, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Observation number two, the Spirit gifts all believers. The Spirit gifts all believers. Well, how do you know that? It's really easy. Because if you're a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. No one can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, okay? He's already living on the inside of you. He's regenerated you. He's opened your eyes of faith so that you could respond to him appropriately, of course, in faith. So if you have the Holy Spirit, of course you can ask for more. You should. But that means the Spirit can manifest himself in your life the way he wants to. So every believer, listen, is gifted by the Spirit. Some people think, well, it was only the apostles and it was only like leaders in the church. But if you go to Acts chapter 6 and you read about a man named Stephen, Stephen was not an elder. Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was not a pastor. And yet Luke, Luke wrote the book of Acts. What does Luke say about him? You can read it yourself. Luke actually says this, that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power who performed great wonders and signs among the people. So some people mistakenly believe that the gifts of the Spirit are only for pastors and church leaders. That's not true. Listen, you might be a carpenter. You can have the gift of prophecy. You might be a school teacher. You can have the, the gift of discerning spirits. Okay? You might be a plumber. Perfect. You can have the gift of knowledge or the word. You can get a word of knowledge. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be an ordinary, everyday Christian, 
the gifts of the Spirit, even the miraculous ones, you can have those. They are accessible to you today. To each one. Paul's very clear. To each one. Now my next observation comes from the second part of this verse where Paul says the Spirit is given for the common good. Observation number three is this. The gifts are given for the common good of the church. The common good of the church. These gifts, listen, are not for personal enrichment or for not for individuals to brag about themselves. Now, unfortunately, that happens sometimes in the local church. Someone who's especially gifted at prophecy can become full of pride. It can be all puffed up. But we must remember, listen, these gifts are not necessarily for us. They're for the body of believers. So, so what? So that the church might be built up, encouraged, and edified. Church, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be encouraged today? Okay, a few people do. That's good. Do you want to be built up today? Do you want to be strengthened in your faith this morning? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap your hands. Good. What does that mean? You should desire the spiritual gifts. Why? Because someone needs your words of encouragement this morning. And so often, Christians in the West make it all about themselves. Well, I didn't get anything from that sermon. Well, I don't like that song. Well, I don't like the carpet. Well, I don't like this. It's not for you. We're not here to worship you. Newsflash, right? It's about him. But your gifts, listen, are not just for you. They're for everyone else. So that other brothers and sisters might be encouraged and strengthened and edified and built up. Everyone needs this. I want to be encouraged. I want to be strengthened in my faith. You should want the same thing. And if that's you, listen, you should desire the gifts of the Spirit, right? To build up the Spirit. Okay, let's go to verse number 9. I'm going to read through that to verse 11, and then we're going to break down those six gifts. Here we go. Verse number 8, sorry. Verse number 8. To one there is given the Spirit, through the Spirit, sorry, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers or miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And yet still another, to interpretation of languages. All these, all the ones I just listed, Paul says, are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he, God, the Spirit of God, distributes them to each one just as he determines, just as he wills. He's our sovereign God. Let's break this down, you guys. Number one, the message of wisdom and the message of knowledge. We're going to put those two together because they're so closely related to one another. What does that mean? Go ahead and put that definition up. A message of wisdom or knowledge. Relevatory insight into the how and the what of a person's life. A word of wisdom can pertain to instruction, and word of knowledge can pertain to information. What does that mean? That means this, that the Spirit of God will give you a piece of information that you would otherwise not know Unless the Spirit of God told you, right? 
There's no like, hey, did he look at my files? Did he look at my records at my house? No, no, no. The Spirit of God has revealed something to you for another person. Perhaps it's wisdom. He gives you wisdom in the middle of a trying situation. All of a sudden, you understand, you know how to proceed in this situation. Does this show up in the Bible? It does. A lot of places, actually. Uh, more than I can give you for one setting, but I'll give you a couple. John chapter 4, you guys remember that story with the Samaritan woman? She comes to Jesus. She meets him at the well. What does Jesus do? He reads her mail. He discloses all of her sin, and she's like, whoa, how did you know, <laughs> how did you know that? Like the guy I'm living with, he's not my husband. Jesus totally reads her mail. And then what does she say in verse 29 of John 4? She says, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever done, everything I ever did, right? Jesus was operating by the spirit, gift of knowledge that was given to him by the spirit of God. Acts chapter 5, you might remember that story. Ananias and Sapphira, what did they do? They sold property, and instead of giving all the proceeds to the church, they held some of it back, but they did it in secret. What does Peter say to him? He says, hey, why did you do such an evil thing? And they're like, what are you, uh, right? They don't know how to read like, Can I ask you a question? How the heck did Peter know that? It's God. Well, that doesn't happen anymore today. How do you know that? I think it happens all the time, actually. Spirit of God revealed that to Peter. Peter's there to say, hey, like, what did you do? You did an evil thing in the eyes of God. I think sometimes the way it shows up with me is in pastoral counseling. When I'm meeting with a person one-on-one, they're telling me their story. They're telling me their problems, like what's going on in their relationships, and everything's broken, and there's divorce over here, and she's not talking to me, and I yelled at her, and she doesn't trust me, and he did that. He said that about me. And all of a sudden, the Lord just gives me, like, a piece of wisdom to give to that person so that they can apply it to their lives. That's happened many times. It doesn't happen all the time. No, not all the time. But there are times where it happens. And the person will say, oh, my gosh, how did you know? Like, that's perfect. That's, that's what I should do. Uh, that, that's great. And I'll say, I didn't know. The, the Lord just revealed that to me right now. I had no idea. Right? Piece of knowledge, maybe, that you share with someone about someone's past. or There was no way that that person wouldn't know except but by the Spirit of God. That's what we're talking about here. Number two, the gift of faith means this, a particular kind of faith that believes God for extraordinary things or a faith that guides the church through exceptional circumstances. Leave that definition up. Remember, don't feel pressured to write it down because it's all in my notes on the website. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. Paul says, if I have faith that can move mountains. That's what he's talking about. It's a faith that moves mountains. Let me give you a couple examples. Paul, Acts 14, 8 through 10, says this. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking Paul looked directly at him, and notice what it says. Saw that he had faith to be healed. Which is interesting. How does Paul know? But on the other part, this man has 
the faith to believe he can be healed. And called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and he began to walk. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. That's not to say that it's always your faith. Too many Christians put too much stock in their faith. One of the biggest abuses I've seen in the body of Christ has been this. Oh, the reason you didn't get healed was because you don't have any faith. I think that's terrible. I think that's spiritual abuse. Don't do that in this house. That's the quickest way to diminish and belittle someone's faith is to say, well, the reason why you still have cancer is because you don't have enough faith. That's not encouraging, okay? (laughs) So faith is not always, it's not always about our faith because there are some instances in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't even ask them if they have faith. He just heals them. Now, he does respond to our faith, but still, the woman was healed at that moment. So the woman, listen, she has this assurance, this conviction. What does she say? You can read the story. She says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, i got to get to Jesus. If I just touch him, I know that I'll be healed. I think that was a gift of faith in her at that moment. That All of a sudden, she's just, she just knew, I'm going to be healed. I, I believe it, right? I believe I will be healed. Number three, gifts of healings. The ability to restore physical health. The ability to restore physical health. Jesus and Paul, the rest of the other church, they lived with regular expectation that God would heal physical bodies. Gordon Fee, who is a New Testament scholar, charismatic scholar, I'll add that, he says this, that the reason that it says gifts, or it's in the plural form, refers to to the fact that each occurrence, every time someone is healed, is a gift within itself. And that is not a permanent gift that we can use at will. But one of the Holy Spirit's manifestations as he wills. One of the biggest misunderstandings in the body of Christ is, is to say that if you have the gift of healing, you're always going to have the gift of healing. You're always operating in that gift of healing. That's not true. It's not true. I'll prove that to you in a little while. I'll cite some verses, actually, okay? Some gifts are more permanent, and they just reside in you. Like, I have the gift of teaching. So if someone says, hey, would you explain to me, you know, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, um, these first few verses, I'll sit down with that person, and for the most part, I'll probably be able to expound on the text. It's just, I have that gift of teaching. Other gifts, though, listen, like the more miraculous ones, they're given, listen, as the Spirit wills. For occasions that he determines, now we should ask for them in faith. We should. We should believe that God wants to give us these gifts. But listen, they're not permanent, okay? But we should ask. Prophecy, it's not permanent, okay? I'm not walking around prophesying over everything. Who does that, right? I mean, you don't need to do that, okay? Just be a normal, regular person, right, who operates in that gift. God gives it as he wills. I want you to think of the blind lame beggar in Acts chapter 3. Paul, uh, he's healed. Acts 19, think of this. uh, Paul's handkerchief healed many people. How about this one? Mark chapter 8, Jesus spits into a man's eyes and lays hands on him. And then what does he do? He heals 
that man, right? So we see healings all over the New Testament, you guys. In fact, healing is a major part of Jesus' ministry. And listen, it's one of the biggest signs of God's coming kingdom. That the kingdom of God is upon us. Now, it's not here in its fullness. Okay? It's not. Well, how do we know? How do you know that, Pastor Marco? Because people still die. That's as easy as that. Okay? So that leads me to the question. Are all healed today? No. No. Well, how do you know that? Because God kingdom, God's kingdom has not come in its fullness. Now, I know some Christians are going to say, well, if they die, though, they're still being healed. Okay, I'm not talking about that part, okay? I'm talking about physical bodies being restored fully to where they were originally at, right? To health, wholeness. Even Paul, listen, who was the best-known healer besides Jesus, had to leave Trophimus sick in Miletus. 2 Timothy 4.20. Even Paul, listen, told Timothy to drink a little bit of wine instead of just water because of his illness and because of his stomach. So if Paul had this gift and it was just to be used at will, why didn't Paul just go, Trophimus, come here. Boom, you're healed. Timothy, come here. Boom, in Jesus' name you're healed right now. Give me $1,000, right? Why didn't he do that? Because even the best-known healer in the New Testament didn't have the, the gift at will. It was as God saw fit. He didn't heal Timothy. He didn't heal Trophimus. Does that mean we should stop praying for people? Absolutely not. Listen, our job is to continue to pray and to believe that God will heal and is, that it's his desire to heal. That's our, that's our, that's, that's our stance, okay? Whenever someone says, hey, you know what? I don't think God heals anymore. I don't think he does that anymore, Marco. Here's what I'll say. In the New Testament, Jesus heals so often. You can do your own research. I've done it. So often out of compassion and mercy for people. In fact, the text tells you Jesus moved by compassion, healed all those who were sick, dot, 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 dot. Right? So listen, if we're saying that God no longer heals people today, are we now saying that God is no longer compassionate towards his children? Who are we to say that God has withdrawn his mercy and his compassion from his people? No, 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 no. God still responds in compassion and mercy today. So our job, listen, church, is to continue to pray, continue to have faith, to believe that God will and does indeed want to heal. Even though, yes, some people won't be healed the way that we'd like to see them, we still keep praying, we still keep believing, we still keep standing on faith. I've prayed for people, and they weren't healed. Does it mean that I just give up? Oh, well, I guess God doesn't want to heal anybody. No, not, not, never. Never would I do that. I, would, I just continue to pray. Continue to ask God, continue to lean towards his compassion and his mercy because he's a merciful God. Okay? He's a merciful God. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, miracles. All other supernatural activity that goes beyond the healing of the sick. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about like limbs growing back and eyeballs being formed. And just, be, be, just because we don't see it happen 
here in America as much doesn't mean it's not happening. Talk to anyone who's been on the mission field for any amount of time, and they will testify to the miraculous power of God. Right? They'll tell you. I've had people tell me here at our church, like, man, I was on the mission field for six months, two years, five years, and, dude, we saw some stuff, like, just miraculous, sovereign miracles happen right in front of us, like mind-blowing miracles. So just because they don't happen, maybe you don't see them, doesn't mean we shouldn't ask for them, doesn't mean we should not believe for them. Number five, distinguishing between spirits. One is able to distinguish the presence of evil spirits from the presence of the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Have you ever walked into a situation and you thought, something's not right here? Something demonic is at play here. And you're like, we need to leave. This is not safe. And maybe the person you're with is like, what are you talking about? We need to go right now. This is not, we're not supposed to be here. And all of a sudden, you just, you begin to discern. There's something evil at work. This is not the Holy Spirit. This is a demonic spirit. And so you're like, we, we got to go. And then later you find out that maybe that person was dealing with the occult, or they were seeing a witch doctor on a regular basis, whatever it might be. Maybe there were, uh, there were sacrifices in that home, and you, you've gone to walk. I've had people tell me that they've gone to look for houses, like to buy, and they walk in the house, and they're like, oh, uh-uh, nope, something, whoa, 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 something's not right. And the realtor will be like, what are you, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't, something's not right here. And of course, I think that there needs to be confirmation on that. I do believe that, okay? But still, there's a discerning that takes place between the Spirit of God and an evil, demonic spirit. We can discern between those two spirits. Now listen, I'm going to get ready to close. I'm not ready to close yet, but I'm getting ready. Here's what I want to say. Quickly, I want to mention two major pitfalls that happen in the body of Christ, in the church, when it comes to these gifts, okay? These are the things that I see the most as a pastor. These are the things that Paul writes about in chapter 12. We'll get to that in just a moment, okay? The first pitfall is this, is when we see our gift as insignificant, maybe it's a more non-miraculous gift like administration or mercy or helps or whatever that might be. And what do we say? What do we think? We think, well, the church doesn't need me. I'm not special. I, I don't have any great gifts. And, I, you know, I don't matter. The church doesn't need me. But the opposite, the other pitfall is the exact opposite. Because on the other side, listen, are those people who say, look at me. I'm awesome. I prophesy every five seconds. I'm zapping people with power. Right? Right? I'm a, I don't need the church. This church is lame. They don't got no spiritual people like I do. Can you speak in tongues? I can, sucker, loser. And you think it's funny, but I see it. I've seen it. Put that illustration up for a moment, if you would, please. Left-hand side, insignificant gift. Church doesn't need me. I have the gift of mercy. Who cares about that? No, no, we, we need your gift, right? We need it. We need it. On the other side, I don't need the church. I'm a superstar here. In fact, I don't think there's a church for me in all Bay City. Wow, really? You're that amazing, huh? You're that spectacular. Listen, let me just debunk this right now. We need one another. 
Can I get a louder amen? We need one another, church. Yes. Okay. Some of you don't believe me, so let's read the text. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God, pay attention, but God has put the body together. Who puts the body together? God does. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. No division in the body. No comparison. No hierarchy. No spiritual elitism. No, I got this. You got that. I'm super spiritual. I prophesy. You know. I got tongues. You don't have it. Look at me. I'm awesome. This church is lame. They don't have no spiritual people here. That's what I see in the body, though. And listen, when you, when you step, when you, when you say, you know what? Ah, they don't need me here. I don't need to use my gift. It's not just about you. You're not just robbing yourself. You're robbing us. You're robbing us. We need your gift. We need your gift here. And so when you say, well, I don't have anything to offer, Pastor Marco. I'm just this. I'm just that. I'm just this. It's just over. And that's all. I hear that sometimes from so many Christians. I'm just that. I'm just this. I'm just too old. I'm just, oh, I'm just, I'm just. I mean, come on. How is a body that's going to change our city talk like that? I'm just here to do a quick wake-up call. we got to stop just commiserating our own misery and lift up our eyes to where our help comes from. Right? Listen, the gifts, listen, are just not about you. They're about the rest of the body for the common good so that others can be edified, built up, strengthened, encouraged. It's not about you having a spiritual badge. It's not about you, look at me, I got, the, I got the gift of the tongues. It's not about you saying I prophesy over everything. No, we don't need that. We don't need the super spiritual super soldier here. That's not, that's not what it's about. Gifts of the Spirit should be used with all humility. Because it's just the Spirit manifesting himself in you the way he chooses. Okay? So we all need to just operate in a lot of humility when it comes to these certain gifts. And I want to talk about prophecy later on, but I think we got to be careful when we say, well, the Lord said, God told me, I think there's a better way to do it. I'll talk about that in two weeks, okay? I got a lot to say when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to how we operate these gifts, how they should be used and stewarded in the local church. I have plenty to say. But listen, we're going to end our time here today, and, and, and thank you for being over with us. But we're not done. We're going to pray together, actually, okay? As I was preparing for this message, um, I felt like we needed to have a time to pray for the sick. So here's what we're going to do. If you're here this morning, I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to be courageous. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to have you come up front. So don't freak out. And don't worry. I'm not going to give you a microphone. I would not ever do that, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> for real. All right. If you're here this morning and you have an affliction in your body, I want you to stand up. Here's what I mean. Somewhere in your body's hurting. 
It's a shoulder, it's migraine headaches, cancer diagnosis, uh, you hurt your leg, you, were, you served in our military, maybe you hurt your leg 30 years ago and you limp around, and there's been pain in your stomach, you don't understand. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now, I want you to be brave. If that's you this morning, go ahead and stand up. Come on, be brave. I'm going to give you some time. It's okay. Be brave. Be brave. Be courageous. This is the time. Okay. Give you a few more seconds. Anybody else? I have a sense that maybe not everyone has stood up yet. You're, don't worry. I'm not going to call you up, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. All right. Now, the rest of the church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around. I want you to look at the people who are standing up. And I'm going to release you to pray for them. And so what I'd like to do is I would like to get three or four people maybe around every single person standing. In fact, I don't want anyone standing up to not have someone praying for them. So let's, let's just do that right now. Go ahead and, and move around the room. Move around the room. Every person standing up, I want to have someone praying for them, at least one or two people. I want you to be courageous. If you're a pastor in my church, you better be moving around. <laughs> if you're a leader in our church, go ahead and move around. Every single person. If you don't have someone to pray for you, go ahead and raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, we want to pray for you this morning, okay? This is not a guarantee. I don't do that, okay? But this is going to our compassionate, merciful Heavenly Father and asking him to move. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give the person 30 seconds, and I want you to explain to the, those people around you what your ailment is. What's, what's, what's suff what are you suffering from? Go ahead, 30 seconds. Just say it quickly. Okay, all right, all right. Perfect, perfect. Church, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then I'm going to release you to pray. After you pray for maybe two or three minutes, I'm going to dismiss. If you feel like you need to keep praying, it's okay. Keep praying. If you have to leave, it's okay. You have to leave. Not a big deal. But I want to go ahead and begin praying, and then I will release you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. And God, I pray this morning, God, even for those who are watching online, God, I'm believing even for those who are watching online can be touched right now by the power of God. Father, would you be so kind and gracious to impart a gift of faith, gifts of faith in this body so that we can believe that those who are with us will and can be healed, God. Would you stir up gifts of faith all over this room? Father, I pray, would you stir up, God, would you, in your compassion, God, in your mercy, Lord, because you're so good, would you, would you give us gifts of healings, God, this morning, gifts of healings, God, that physical bodies would be made whole again, God, God, that broken bodies would be restored completely, God, that bodies that are diseased and sick would be completely healthy once again. Father, you are kind. You're, you're good. You're gracious, Lord. You're merciful. God, the New Testament says that many times because of mercy, you healed people. So, Lord, in your mercy today, would you look upon your children and would you have compassion on them, God? Would you have compassion on them and move in gifts of healings this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, go ahead now. Pray for them right now. Take two minutes. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. I'm going to keep, I'm going to pray. I'm going to continue to pray. Go ahead. 
Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Spirit of the living God, come. Holy Spirit, we need you. Oh, Father, we love you. We thank you, God. You said let your house be a house of prayer. Oh, God, you're moving right now. You're moving through the prayers of people in our church, God. You're moving through elders. You're moving through pastors praying over people. God, you're moving through everyday people, ordinary people, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do what only you can do. We need you. And we welcome you here. We say yes. Have your way. We say yes. Heal bodies. We pray. We stand in faith with our brothers and our sisters. We believe, God, that you can do it. We believe you, God. You're a healing God, God. You healed then, and you can heal today, God. And we welcome you. Thank you. Just one more minute here. Just one more minute. Thank you, Jesus.